Delaware County's premier podcast with your hosts, Dennis and Michelle. Welcome to this week in the Bear Cave, everyone. Dennis Zarrell and Michelle Roselle here with you once again this week. And this week we are sponsored by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Teller County. Animus Wellbeing, a holistic approach to helping people achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life. And In the Shadow Designs, the place where your custom creations are made for all occasions. So Michelle, you're back safe and sound. How was uh, how was Vegas? It was a hoot. I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did you uh, what did you do? So we ended up. Uh, let's see, we got there on Saturday um, and just kind of like regrounded ourselves. None of us had been to Vegas for a while, and so we just kind of walked around. Um, Sunday night, we went to an amazing live show, Cirque du Soleil. Oh yeah. The O. Um, it's a water show. Oh, wow. Fantastic. All kinds of aerialists and things going on. Right? Absolutely. And all in water. I mean, yeah, they would jump off from the roof, like <laughs> the top of the theater into wow. the water and they're coming left, right in front of you. We had front row seats. We were in the splash zone. It was awesome. Did you get wet? Just a little bit. <laughs> wow. But Gale Force winds are alive and well in Vegas too. So, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the most exciting thing we had was our trip coming home. <laughs> I bet that was a fun ride. It was horrifying. <laughs> well, at least you didn't have to wear a mask. That is right. We walked into the Vegas airport. We kind of looked around. I had my mask on. I was like, "What the hell? Nobody's wearing a mask." So we took them off, and Art looks up the the announcement that the mask mandate had gone away and we were just like, hell yeah. <laughs> so you thought everybody was drunk and just was rebelling. Yeah, we like it, we're like, why isn't, why aren't the Vegas people here in the airport? You know, and it's cause we left and we had to wear a mask when we came back, we didn't. So not happening. <laughs> we disconnected from the whole world for those four days. So we were really out of the loop. But as soon as we got on the plane, and everybody was seated. The uh, flight attendant made the announcement, and there was a whole lot of hoop and holler and clapping going on. I bet, I bet there were still people that were wearing their masks. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> They're all terrified still. And I felt kind of bad because the young lady next to me, you know, she she looks kind of like that hippie liberal style and everything. Very sweet young lady. And I felt bad because she ended up actually throwing up on the way back. That's awesome. <laughs> well, the rough the flight was rough going out and coming back in. And um, yep. Some people are still masked up and they're still pissed off or now they're pissed off that the mask mandate went away. Yeah, they're they're mad that the CDC was finally exposed as not being an authority to run the government. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, Sniffy Joe, they're filing a lawsuit in favor of the CDC, so they're trying to reinstitute it again because, you know, it's we got to wait until the 1st of May, you know, a couple of weeks and this and that. It's like, wait a minute, you jackholes like Philadelphia, yeah. you put in the, the mandate after Easter. So what do you think is going to happen? Right. If anybody's sick and has the flu or the colds or whatever, yeah, it'll manifest itself in a couple of weeks. Sure, sure. Well, they just can't let go. No, it's it's ridiculous. But I'd say for the most part, a lot of people absolutely rip their masks off. And it's like, God, we're done. You, you said something <laughs> that was pretty funny. It's, it's like... Uh, how do you disconnect from the world in Vegas? Well, you do, though, because Vegas is like this whole other adventure. <laughs> yeah. Disconnect from Sodom and Gomorrah. You, know, you, go, right. to, you go to Vegas and it's like, I'm just going to disconnect from the That's world. That's true. <laughs> 
the entire world is in Vegas you know, for that weekend. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was busier than I anticipated. I mean, it was walled well people sometimes. Um, that was kind of surprising to me, but I will say also homeless situation wasn't as bad as I anticipated. So I don't know if they just keep it better under control because we did just stay on the strip. Yeah. They probably moved them off the strip into you know, some other <laughs> underworld. True. True. I mean, you still see them here and there, but it wasn't as bad as I thought, but I could not believe how busy it was. Okay. Well, it was gigantic bunny day. Yes, it was. So, it was. So it was packed, huh? It was packed. Absolutely packed. Did you go to any of those uh, like mobster museums? And Did go to the mobster museum. Um, unfortunately, everybody that I was with are not as enthusiastic about museums as I am, which is fine. So we got through it. It was very interesting. I'd love to go back and learn some more. And they also have a distillery in the basement that we went and saw and learned a little bit more about prohibition and things like that. So it was really cool. So they have it set up like kind of a speakeasy? A little speakeasy, and then they actually take you into the distilling room where you do the tastings and they educate you about how they uh, figure out the proof and things like that. It was really educational and interesting, so it was fun, and I'm planning on going back. Did you get, like, free samples? Of course. So they're making whiskey down there? They are. Wow. Moonshine and whiskey. That seems like a big deal these days. It is a huge deal. Well, the other huge deal today is, uh, today's 420. It is 420. So I think we, we may be talking about that a little bit. And, uh, oh, can I and say, Vegas is very popular for marijuana as well. I mean, everywhere you go, you walk through smoke. <laughs> yeah, they, they caught on when they, uh, when they went legal as well. But uh, I mean, to me, it's, you know, I can talk about cannabis all day because uh, I've had a formal education in cannabis. <laughs> From a medical and, and a medicinal standpoint. Right. Uh, there are some good things to be said about oh, that. Oh, for sure. But, uh, for sure. But we'll, we'll get into some of that a little bit later. Anyway, today we have uh, Carol Kittleson dialing up the Bear Cave hotline in our second segment. And Carol is running for the Teller County Assessor's position that's coming up in November. I think essentially she's probably already in. Unopposed. Yeah. And uh, I think the caucus has already happened. I think once the, once you've got the votes from the caucus and if you're running unopposed, it's like almost a done deal. But you right. still have right. to go out and vote. Correct. And as promised, next week, our first female mayor of Woodland Park, Hillary Labar, is coming back into the Bear Cave, and she's going to you know, kind of give us a wrap-up on the campaign and what her vision is going to be for Woodland Park. That's going to be cool. I want to hear what she's got to say. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, I mean, she's been in the saddle for a little while now, so right. I don't think there's going to be any big surprises. I don't think so. Other than Zulu Bob. <laughs> Mr. Unhappy. Yeah, we're taking a poll. Like, I wonder if he's going to last his last two years. Well, I spoke with somebody last night and we kind of discussed a little bit and he probably will not back down. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, I think he's going to stick it out. It's He's going to be the angry guy. Yeah, pretty much. Well, maybe we can make him feel bad. <laughs> and, you know, he only has one vote anyway. So, I mean, just to be there and to be obnoxious. Yeah. Well, if you're a Zulu Bob fan, I guess you're in his corner, but we're going to we're going to get into that. <laughs> A little bit too, but uh, anyway, uh, Axiom One, our, our friends up there in the International Space Station, they're due to splash down. I watched the uh, ceremony for departure and uh, yeah, it seemed like they, you know, they were nonstop for the last few days. So congratulations to them. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I got to catch up on all this. I guess some of the biggest news that happened yesterday and was shocking is that uh, Barry Morphew walked out of court. Yes, he did. Uh, his trial was dismissed without prejudice, which means that, you know, they can still file charges at some point. Agreed. Yep. But uh, we're going to get into that with our field producer, Trevor Phipps, when he comes on during his segment. But I was surprised. I was kind of going to the car wash out a meeting yesterday morning. And I get this phone call. It's like, uh, okay, I got to take this. Trevor says, uh, Morphew just walked. 
I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, they dismissed it. And honestly, I really wasn't surprised. Right. I really wasn't because there's so much stuff that was messed up with that whole case. There was. You're right. There was a lot of messed up. But I think it was wicked smart to get it dismissed because if they do, in fact, find the evidence they need, they can take them back in. Yeah. But there's so much other stuff that's well, involved. You just can't hide DNA evidence. Right. You can't hide, you know, stuff like that. And uh, the thing that I thought was amazing is the uh, judge dismissed 12 out of 14 expert witnesses. Right. So... I don't think the uh, DA is going to be running for re-election anytime. <laughs> but uh, the DA's office just screwed this up from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have a leg to stand on. But uh, anyway, what do we care? I but, think uh, there'll be more on that. I really do. Yeah, and like I said, we're going to talk to Trevor a little bit about that and see what uh, what he knows. But anyway, I don't I don't know if you saw the headline in uh, one of the local fish wraps last week. Oh, King Andy's at it again. So the news headlines at the end of last week, you know that King Andy and the uh, the Karis Shell game has come full circle. And remember a few weeks ago when uh, Rusty Nail posted up on social media that the uncredited school posing as an institution of higher learning mm-hmm. was uh, actually trying to renege on their deal from 2012. Right. And what that was all about is they were going to build housing and, uh, you know, King Andy now wants out of his arrangement. Boy, how shocking is that? Yeah. So apparently around the 22nd of March, they submitted paperwork to the Woodland Parks Planning and Building Department, and they wanted an amendment that would change the terms that were struck by the leaders in 2012. And I I don't know who those leaders were back then. Right. But uh, bottom line is they don't want to pay property taxes, which in my opinion is complete hogwash. Agreed. And And he's trying to play off the fact that it was a different council. The whole thing is that uh, he made a comment that, yeah, we made a mistake and we did it in error. <laughs> yeah, now the bottom line was going to happen is that not only is Woodland Park going to pay for the taxes for that, but the entire county. Correct. Look, I don't want to pay for Never Neverland. No. I could care less. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you look at uh, schools like BYU, Notre Dame, Pepperdine, they're all church schools. Right. And uh, I'm sure they have some kind of a tax exempt status. Sure. But they are also accredited colleges. Correct. When you walk away with it, your piece of paper means something. Yeah, you can actually go somewhere and, and go, hey, you know, I went to BYU or Notre Dame or Pepperdine and and uh, have a legit sheepskin. Right. Instead of having a non-accredited you know, school that in an empty wallet. Right. <laughs> but the thing is, is, is that uh, the revenue, they said, is going to be split between six entities. You got the city, Teller County, the local library, fire, ambulance, and school district. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but he said that uh, in the next decade, they're going to generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. It's like you're buying food. Right. You know, and uh, you got maybe a thousand students up there, or that's the goal to have a thousand students. And they're claiming that uh, they're going to raise $4.9 million in sales tax revenues in Woodland Park in that decade. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) And another $1.2 million for Teller County over the next decade. Well, only one problem. Now, none of this can happen without city council approval. Correct. And in all fairness, I mean, the city council is, is playing it pretty close hold. I've tried to get in contact with a couple of people and uh, and I get it. I mean, you know, you're going to have a vote. You know, you don't want to tip your hand, so to speak. And I don't think there's enough known with a brand new city council just yet. Right. And I'm guessing it's going to be around, yeah, June, July, somewhere around that time frame before they even address this issue. Oh, you think that? 
that long? I think so. Because again, you know, the, the rumors were during the election is that you've got pro Karis people on that council who those votes would, would have mattered. Right. And you got Zulu Bob, you would have had uh, Deanne Betterman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know who else would have, would have been kind of associated with that. But now you don't have anybody except Zulu Bob on the city council that's affiliated with Karis. Correct. So good luck with that one, Andy. <laughs> But uh, I, I think what's going to wind up happening is that uh, Never Neverland's probably going to file a lawsuit. Probably. That try to drag this into court. Of course they will. Yeah, another frivolous lawsuit that, that the taxpayers don't need. Exactly. And the other thing I thought was kind of weird because it was supposed to go to an outside contractor for building and all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, we just couldn't work it out. So that's off the table now, too. So how's that going to work? They bring their own people in? I'm guessing so. I'm guessing mm-hmm. that I'm guessing there's a contractor that is affiliated with Never Neverland. I'm sure there is. And you know, it's a it's a very interesting shell game that they're playing. Um, so if there's someone who's connected with Karis is going to do the building for them, maybe they're going to save some money. I know what whatever the deal is. Um, I'm saying that, eh, Andy, maybe you should just hit the bricks and do us all a favor. I agree. I agree. Tired of playing their game. Or. Uh, Maybe they can get a hold of some Scientology folks in L.A. <laughs> that would be a good fit. That would be. <laughs> but I'm, I'm so sick of this whole Jim and Tammy Faye Baker kind of thing going on. <laughs> we all know how that ended, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, look, I don't want to bag on anybody's religion. It's like you believe what you believe, right? True. But when your leader talks about taking over Teller County and Woodland Park, you got to go back to that. I mean, you can't (laughs) can't ignore it. He said it. Yeah, it came right out of his pie hole. Absolutely. And then, you know, a few months later, you're going to renege on the deal. And I'm betting that they didn't want that to get out. Yeah. But uh, I'm just guessing. But when uh, when Rusty released that on social media and said, I'm not taking any requests and, you know, I'm not going to answer any questions. It's going to come up in front of city council. Right. I think there were 160 something posts. Oh, probably. After that came out. Yeah. And uh, I think it's getting to the point now where people in Woodland Park are finally sick of it. I think so. You still have those hanger honors, you know, that are all all backing up Andy there. Yeah. But predominantly people are like, we're, we're tired of covering the taxes and all the other amenities that you're benefiting from our community. Well, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars because you have to hire new firefighters, EMS right. people. Absolutely. Um, Police, which I'm I'm good with. No, for sure. But not just for him. Correct. Correct. Or not just for Never Neverland. Correct. So I say never no <laughs> to Never Neverland. I agree. <laughs> I don't think I should have to pay one dime of property tax going to his coffers. Agreed, a hundred percent. Like I say, I I I usually don't. Yeah, you believe in what you believe in. I don't care. But don't make me pay for your beliefs. Correct. I think it's just, I think it's crazy. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, if I was him, I'd be calling the Scientology people in LA for sure. <laughs> They've got a business model that's working for them. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> of course, then again, they go to the nth degree where they separate their children and, you know, parents and put them on a boat somewhere. <laughs> Have this weird flotilla. God, the world is crazy. It is. Anyway, like I say, it's going to be up to the uh, city council at this point to see what actually happens because if nothing passes, then uh, you know all bets are off. And correct. So we're uh, we're going to be keeping a sharp eye on the city council and see what they decide to do. Absolutely insane. Anyway, uh, moving on, it looks like uh, Vlad the Impaler lost his first game of Battleship. Yeah, he did. 
the Ukrainian sunk their flagship, the Moskva, with two Neptune missiles. Even though Russia denied that the ship was hit by missiles, they claimed that there was a fire on board and it caused explosions and all the stuff to go off. Sure. Yeah, the uh, the video is now starting to surface where you can see the ship listing. Right. They said, ah, we're going to tow it back to shore and everybody was rescued. Well, it kind of turns out that not all the sailors got off that ship. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, that's the, well, that's the rumor. Who knows? Right, right. But uh, if you're getting hit by two cruise missiles, chances are that, you know, somebody's going to get injured. Just right, saying. Right, But the uh, the ship sunk. And of course, like I said, you know, Russia is denying everything. My guess is that Vlad is going to do what he normally does and he's going to take it out on the civilians. Of course. That whole thing is just getting out of control. It is. Easy targets. And it's like, dude. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe what will happen is that they'll take over the northeastern part of Ukraine and uh, call it a victory because, you know, losing your flagship. Right. You know, sunk my battleship. Oh, but he said it was a storm. Of course it was. <laughs> But you talk about embarrassing for a dictator who wants to kind of conquer another country. Yeah. And they haven't been able to do it at all. And I, yeah, like I said, I hate bringing up Russia all the time, but you just you can't be ignored. No, it can't. And the suffering that's being created is just, you know, it's unimaginable. But um, I'm pretty sure that they're going to take over by force and, and just uh, indiscriminately kill people like they have been doing. Right. Ah, such a waste of human life. It is. So between Vlad the Impaler and Andy's Pipe Dream, it's been a weird week. It has been a weird week. Glad I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave me here all by myself while you guys go out and have a good time. That's all right. I'll just sit outside and listen to the wind. There you go. <laughs> oh, enough crazy stuff. When we come back, we'll be talking to the candidate for the Teller County Assessor's Office, Carol Kittleson. So grab yourself a beverage, hit the bathroom, and come on back and hang out with us for a while. You know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Teller County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. I called Josh right away and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. He'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4773 or email him at joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at C-S-A-B-O-D-E.com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied.
Welcome back to the Bear Cave with Michelle and Dennis. And right now on the line, I have Carol Kittleson, who is running for the open seat of the uh, Teller County Assessor's Office. Carol, how are you today? I am doing well. How are you? We're doing awesome. Uh, Thanks for coming into the Bear Cave. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. You're running for one of those kind of positions that uh, we were talking about earlier, that you see an assessor on the ballot or a county clerk and you just go, okay, I'm just going to pick one here. You know, and I don't think anybody really understands what the assessor actually does. So what is it that your office actually does? We do a lot. Um, Our positions are actually very technical. We have the administrative side that processes deeds, ownership transfers. We look at um, easements that come in and get them attached to the accounts. And then we have uh, our cartographer who is in charge of doing combinations, property combinations and splits, different plats, just all sorts of every different land combination imaginable. See, and here we thought all you do was raise taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, we have very little to do with taxes to some extent. So what we are charged with is discovering, listing, classifying, and valuing properties. So for the state of Colorado, we are charged with making sure that properties, all properties in the county are valued based on market sales. And that is a requirement by the state of Colorado. So yes, to some extent, we we're always looked at as the bad tax person, but what we're charged with is actually valuation, not taxes. So the authorities, um, taxing authorities, so let's say your fire departments, your water divisions, um, police departments, all of those things have what are called mill levies. And those mill levies are actually what determine the taxes to be. Now, how did you kind of get into this whole thing? Just uh, give us your background because you have a you have an interesting background. I started originally in the IT division, um, started with doing things like desktop support and software support, got into software testing and then decided I wanted to make a bigger impact on the world and start working with folks. And I started teaching uh, information technology to students. I worked in a K-12 in a middle school and then did a high school. Then I realized teaching wasn't quite my forte and got back into data analysis, project management. And I was living in the Springs at the time, and we found an auction house in Cripple Creek. We'd been watching probably a few too many fix and flip it shows. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And and I saw this house come up on auction, and I said, wow, wouldn't that be great? And my husband thought I was absolutely crazy at the time. And and we ended up winning the auction, and I called him in a panic and said, "Uh, we won. Now what? (laughs) We haven't even seen this house, and we lost our minds. And uh, we may have. (laughs) What do we do now? (laughs) What do we do now? (laughs) So I drove up that day and looked at it and said, I think we could work with this. this. This is great. So as we started fixing it, we absolutely fell in love with Teller County and the Cripple Creek area. And I said, well, what about moving up to the mountains? Do you think we could do it? And and he said, well, okay, but we're going to be living in a project zone right for a while. And, and uh, I found a, a job at the Cripple Creek Police Department. 
as a dispatcher and thought I would be good at that and realized that really wasn't my calling. It's extremely stressful and boy, do I appreciate the people that work there. Wait a minute. You went from a no stress job being a high school teacher going to a no stress job as being a dispatcher for the police department. Well, actually, I was in data analysis with very little stress and then went into the police department. So, wow. yeah, well, I kept thinking Cripple Creek is small. It, it It's not like the big cities, but wow, there's a lot of action. And um, part of it, it's not just the police calls, it's EMS and fire. And man, days like this when it's absolutely windy and you just pray nobody flicks a cigarette butt out the window yeah. and starts a fire. Um, it, yeah, it's nerve wracking to say the least. Well, we we had that same issue last week. We had that we had a fire about a mile from the Bear Cave studio, and that was a, a little scary. My neighbor came down. He said, hey, I know you guys are new. It's like, look, dude, I came from California. I've been evacuated three different times. I get it. <laughs> wow. But uh, I don't think I've seen wind up here for two weeks straight like this. It's pretty crazy. It is crazy this year. Absolutely. But anyway, getting getting back on track, I digress as usual. <laughs> no worries. So I, I started looking as, um, you know, I was developing an ulcer there at, at the police department. And uh, like I said, love those people. The work they do is amazing. And found an opening at the Teller County Assessor's Office. And it was somebody that was going into the field, collecting data, uh, measuring houses, doing things like that. And and I fell in love with it. So not only is there the data part, which always speaks to my heart, but going out and being able to look at different houses and areas and, and meeting our fabulous residents in Teller County and fell in love with it. it. It was kind of the perfect culmination of everything I've ever done. And I love it. <laughs> you know, you and I were talking earlier and uh, you have kind of an interesting philosophy because the the position in the, in the assessor's office is there's just so much that's not known about it because we're just, you know, we see assessor and it's like, oh, you know, immediately it's a, it has a negative connotation, but you find some commonality with people that you meet in the field, right? Kind of tell me what, what you do when you go out or, you know, it was, I, I thought it was really interesting what you said. So when I go out and, and I'm looking at, at different properties, when, when I drive up to a property, first thing I, I do is what is the best thing that I think there is about that property, whether it be vacant land or it's a house. You know, sometimes it's looking at the unusual mailbox, something that strikes me. Sometimes it's the view. Some people have stained glass windows, it, it, just something. And when I go knock on the door and, and say hi and introduce myself, I, I usually comment on the one thing that really struck me. And it's interesting because some people will say, oh, yeah, that, that's okay. But what we really liked was, you know, the, the laundry rooms next to the kitchen, or we like it because my parents live real close or things like that. And, and you get to know the residents and, and what they really like and appreciate about their place. And I think that's so important just to understand what people are looking for in, in houses. Sometimes they want a solar system or maybe they want a wood stove. That's the whole reason they buy it. But that's buyer motivation. What is what are people really looking for when they purchase a home? Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting too. And it's not an act that you put on. You're like really into it. If you're watching home improvement shows and it's like, oh, I think I can flip this thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's about connecting and it's about enjoying your work. And that's one of the things we encourage all of our folks. Are you in the right place? Is this what you like to do? And be genuine about it. You know, don't, 
don't tell someone, oh, well, I really like your driveway. That, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Driveways are important. <laughs> yeah. You know, be genuine and honest in your conversations and help folks the best we can. And we get calls, a lot of calls, and some of them are are ones that we can lead help lead people to an answer, but we can't give legal advice. So it may be something like somebody calls up and says, well, I really want to give this property to my kids. Well, that's great. Okay. But you'll need to do a deed for that. So we can tell them the only way to transfer property is with the deed. And then they'll say, well, what kind of deed do we need? Well, that is a legal choice. That's a legal document. And that's something you will have to decide. Do you want a quick claim deed? Do you want a warranty deed? Or Those are questions you yourself will have to answer. Now, we do have a lot of descriptions on our webpage about the different kinds of deeds, how properties can transfer. Do you take it in joint tenancy, where when one person passes, it goes to the other? Or do you take it as tenants in common, where each person owns a certain percentage of that property? What we find, though, is when you take it as tenants in common, so let's say Joe owns 50% and Mary owns 50%, when Joe passes away, now all of a sudden you have to go to probate in order to get Joe's 50% transferred to someone else. So there are a lot of legal ramifications with their choices. And that's what we can try and explain what those ramifications are, but we can't tell them what they want to do. (laughs) Yeah. It opens up a big can of worms too. And and we have kind of a, I guess, an older retirement population in Teller County as it is. So you just gave me some food for thought too. (laughs) Oh boy. If you haven't checked your deed, I recommend you do it. (laughs) I'm going to do that right after we hang up. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Yeah, the other really interesting thing we have in Colorado, and there are a few states that do it, but we're, we're definitely one of them. There's what's called a beneficiary's deed. So we have had people come in and they say, you know, we we have um, a property and we want to put our child on the property as well so that when we pass, it will automatically go to them. Also, public service announcement, a will will not transfer properties. It has to be transferred with a deed. So let's say the couple is doing great. They love their child this week. Everything's going well. They want to put them on the deed. Then there's a breakdown in the relationship. The only way for that child to come off the deed at that point is for the child to sign away their interest in that deed. There, there has to be, they have to transfer it back. Not all families are friendly and that doesn't always happen very well. So there's what's called a beneficiary deed. So let's say the married couple says, okay, we're in joint tenancy. When the wife passes away, it will go to the husband. But then upon the husband's passing, the beneficiary deed kicks in and it goes to the child at that point. And it can be revoked up until the day both of the tenants die. So it's a really nice thing we have in Colorado that that helps out our homeowners. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people like to put their property in a trust as as well and uh i'm i'm kind of new to this whole kind of thing so i'm i'm learning a lot just by talking to you but i'm i'm guessing that has to involve some deed work as well right yes yeah, so if if a husband and wife put it into a trust then they need to do a new deed from themselves to their trust good to know <laughs> there's a yes. lot of paperwork involved my head is spinning yeah. right now I know. <laughs> michelle and i are looking at each other going oh man we're screwed i know <laughs> 
The good thing is uh, I like my kids this week, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it it's so interesting to see some of the, you know, it, it's heartbreaking at times when people realize what they thought they were going to do isn't quite what happened when they did their deed, especially when they do it themselves. So we do encourage folks to either contact a title company or go talk to an attorney, decide what's best for them, potentially Call their accountant because a lot of these things have financial ramifications as well. You got to be part counselor in your office as well, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, yes, it's not just a technical. It's really working with our residents and understanding their needs and, and trying to understand what it is they want to do and then pointing them to the correct resources to help get that done. Well, I got to ask you, why did you decide to kind of step up your game and run for the assessor's office? Why decide that uh, this is the right time for you to run? Well, I finally feel like I've been with the office long enough that I know what I'm doing. Um, I think when this came up about three years ago for the last election, I felt like I was just getting my feet wet. We joke in the office about you really have no idea what you're doing until you've gone through two years because that's the full cycle of the evaluation period. And I felt like I was just in the beginning of it and starting to get my bearings. So so when the election is coming around this time, I thought, okay, I've been through three of these now. I think I know what I'm doing. (laughs) But it's um, not just that, but we have such an amazing team and we have a small team. Those bigger counties have so many folks, but they're very specialized in what they do. So if one person works on deeds, that's all they're going to work on. In our county, because we're small, you need to have an understanding of every aspect of what we do. And that's one of the things we started in 2019 was when we bring in new folk, you not only learn uh, the deed side of it, the administrative, some of the cartography, learning where easements are, but also learning the process out in the field and how to go out, how to measure houses, how to enter in sketches, um, how, how to be able to answer those questions from our public that we get about maybe senior exemptions or veterans or how to qualify for ag. There's just, there's so many things. So by giving everyone that broad range of knowledge, you can answer questions in the field. You can answer questions on the phone. How many people are actually out in the field from the, from your office? Um, right now we have, we have four that are pretty full-time out in the field and doing sketches. We have one that's kind of crossing over between administration and the field. We have a total of 13 in the office, including the assessor. Because even being a you know small county in population, that's a lot of land to cover, right? <laughs> it is a lot of land to cover. But when you're in Colorado Springs or Denver, they can look at Google. They can look at the street map, which has maybe been updated within a couple of years. Teller County, they're so many areas that Google doesn't even touch. You're lucky if you get Woodham Park, um, Cripple Creek, or Victor. And a lot of those photos uh, or the street views are from 2016. So in order for us to, to really look at properties, we have to go out. And um, it's beautiful country. I wouldn't want to do this anywhere else. <laughs> That's for sure. I can see Michelle. She's just like scratching her head because she just had to do the map for Cripple, <laughs> Cripple Creek and Victor with an etch a sketch and a cell phone. Pretty much. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, I would think a rural area would be more challenging due to the fact that you have so many different kind of uh, real estate. I mean, you've got open land, you've got homes in in rural areas with property around it, you've got condominiums, you've got single family homes. So it's got to be very diverse out here. It is very diverse. Um, we have two folks that primarily work on modeling, helping us clean up data when we're not doing our modeling, things like that. And we look at the county as a whole. I mean, there are definitely some some commonalities as far as, you know, are people looking for ranch style homes or are they, are they paying more for those? Are they looking for two stories? Are they looking for a view? You know, things like that. But then we narrow it down to subdivisions and we'll take a look at the, we, well, we narrow it down to economic areas first. So there's, you know, Woodland Park, Victor, Cripple Creek, and then we have rural. But then narrowing down to different, more neighborhood type areas after that, you know, because the north part of Woodland Park doesn't sell the same as somebody right on 24. Cripple Creek Mountain Estates is going to be different than Colorado Mountain Estates. So really focusing in on some of those subdivisions and those areas areas, you know, even south of Victor, southwest of Victor doesn't sell anything like Indian Creek. Yeah, we take a look at all of that and it modeling is a huge, huge job. It takes a lot of time. I don't want to say it's a done deal, but it's it's pretty much, you know, you're going to take over in January. What's your vision for the assessor's office? Do you have any goals that you want to achieve in the next couple of years? Absolutely. Yeah, we're always working on refining our data. Um, making sure we've got the right characteristics in. Uh, we've been kind of making a big push for um, homes we haven't seen. One of our younger coworkers is, is uh, about 26 years old. And when he, he came in, he said, good grief, this house hasn't been seen since before I was born. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. So, so we've really been making a push on on trying to clean up our data and go out and see things that we haven't seen. In Talk about playing catch-up. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's been a big part of what we've been doing, and, and we're still continuing to do that. We really worked on cleaning up um, style and the quality of homes, and we'll continue to do that. We want to make sure that our data is the best and, and most accurate that we can possibly have, because if you're going to be paying taxes on your home, you want to make sure that what we have in our system is correct. And we want, and you want to know that if you're paying it, that you're be that you're being valuated fairly. You know, if your neighbor has the exact same home that you have, are the characteristics the same in our system? So that you're not paying more than somebody else is that has the exact same thing. So we're really, really making a push to, to get that done. So for anybody who hasn't been to our Teller County Assessor website, I would encourage you to do so. We have most of your property characteristics on there. Take a look at those. Do we have the right number of fireplaces? Do we have the right number of bedrooms for you and bathrooms? Things like that and help us, help you, <laughs> and and let's get our data correct in the system. So that's been a, a big part of it, and that's something that's going to continue. Um, one of the other things we want to make sure we're doing is communicating with the public and helping educate them on what we have to do. So in 2023, we will be doing our reval and we have to set the value of homes based on the market sales as of June 30th of this year. So if the market absolutely tanks between June, uh, July of this year through May of next year, when you get your new notice of value, 
we cannot react to that. It's a set moment in time that we're looking at. We're looking at a two-year period from July 1st of 2020 through sales of June 30th, 2022. So we can't react to that in 2023. However, when we get to 2025, that's when you would see that decrease in values. So we do try and and help our homeowners understand that a temporary slump in the market is is not something we can react to right away. We always work in arrears, but eventually that will come across that they would see something like that if that happened. Wow. What a, this has been quite a conversation because I'm, I'm just like, I had no idea. No, we were talking just prior to getting in touch with you and we were kind of like, I really don't know what the assessor does. And right now I'm going, poof, my my mind is blown. I'm going, okay, so much more than I even anticipated. Yeah. I just leaked some gray matter through my earphones. <laughs> Sorry, I know it's technical and that's, you know, that's one of the things you asked, why did I decide to step up? I I really think that's one of the reasons if you have a strong leader and you have someone that's been in the industry and understands it, it, these types of positions, a clerk and recorder, the treasurer's office, the assessor, all have very technical jobs. It's not just someone that you want to elect because they're a name on a ballot or that, you know, they win a popularity contest. You want someone in there that has industry knowledge of these positions that can do the job. So, you know, when we had COVID and we had to, we didn't cut back our staff, but there was some, you know, remote type work at that time and, or we had to juggle around positions, things like that. The assessor needs to be in there and able to step up and, and take over or do some of those functions when when things happen. People get sick, people pass away, people retire. And, and you've got to be able to step in there and, and pick that up. All right, Carol. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come in and give us a class on really on what, <laughs> what you guys do. And you're not wearing the black hood and carrying a sickle around with you all the time. So that's good to know. No, we actually really enjoy our residents. We love working with them when we can be of, of help. We like to do that. Again, you know, any, any questions we can answer, or at least help lead you in the right direction or give you advice. We're more than happy to do that. And that's another big focus of our office. Customer service is priority. Well, if, if there's something that we can do in the future to help you get the word out, don't hesitate to call us because uh, our tens of listeners, I'm sure, will be uh, educated here. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, we love our listeners, your listeners, and and anything we can do, we'd love to do it. All right, Carol. Well, thanks for taking the time to come in, and uh, we're going to stop by and see you uh, again sometime. That sounds great. (laughs) Okay, Carol, have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You too. All right. That was Carol Kittleson, who is running for the Teller County Assessor's Office. And I'll tell you what, man, my mind is blown. Completely. No idea. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I thought there was just like, you know, you know, like everybody else is like, oh, it comes a tax man again. It's like, right, oh, blah, right. blah, blah. But uh, And she said us straight. It's not just a name on a ballot. Do your do your homework. Do your due diligence. Exactly. I f- yeah, now I feel bad. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I had no idea. Well, actually, when I went in there, it's like, yeah, everybody's really friendly. It's Teller County, you know, and, and generally the people that work for the city and stuff like that, they're there to help you. They're not there to right. just, yeah. For so. sure. You got to get out of your bear caves every now and then and just <laughs> breathe air and get some sunshine. All right. Well, anyway, when we come back, it's going to be story time with Michelle. So grab your pillow and your favorite little blankie and stick around. Don't go away. 
By making gradual changes in your life, you can achieve your goals. Perhaps it's a change in your diet, losing a few pounds, or reducing stress in your life. You can always improve your health. Animus Wellbeing practitioners in Woodland Park believe that beauty radiates from within because being healthy is beautiful. No matter what your age, they can help you improve and enjoy a better quality of life. If you want to explore ideas on how to achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life, you've come to the right place. They currently offer nutritional consultations, personal cooking classes, catering, and even guided meditation sessions for both group and individuals. Let them help you achieve a life of optimal well-being. Check them out at Animus Wellbeing. That's A N I M A S W E L L B E I N G dot com. Welcome back to the Bear Cave with Dennis and Michelle. And right now, it's my favorite part of the show. It's story time with Michelle. <laughs> All right. So I think you have kind of a unique story today because it's uh, 420 and not just in Colorado. This is like a, it's like a kind of an unwritten national holiday. I agree. It is. And, uh, I don't think anybody really knows how it all kind of got started, but it's kind of a weird story. So uh, why don't you take it away? Well, I'd, I'll admit, man, I was not prepared today, but you you threw this in my lap and I thought, okay, I'll take that on. That's right. It is 420. <laughs> and I don't, I didn't know where it came from. Yeah. Thank God we smoked big joints this morning. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. We didn't. No, we didn't. I got to go to work. <laughs> but anyways, it's like I said, I'm, I'm pretty much a uh, cannabis reform person and I have been for many years, not because I smoke pot because I don't. But uh, for medicinal purposes, people always confuse CBD and THC kind of thing. And, right. and I don't want to get into the whole story of that. But uh, when I went to school at Cannabis Training University, I went there to understand the plant, understand the properties and be able to make CBD products to heal. Right. So I'm not an opioid user or anything like that. And if I do have some kind of a pain, I will take Tylenol and I will... Right. It's an edible from for occasion. It works for me, but uh, but the history behind it, the whole story, is kind of interesting. It it actually really is. Um, so many 420 revelers have a vague recollections of the once heard tales about its origins. Some believe it's the number of active chemicals in marijuana. Others that it's based on a tea time in Holland. Now that was new to me. I know. I was like, what? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but in reality, it came to be traced back to a group of five California teens who used to hang out by the wall outside their San Rafael school, a meeting spot that inspired their nickname, the Waldos. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Spicoli right now from Fast Times at Richmond High. <laughs> As they compile now the, the van. Uh, <laughs> in the fall of 1971, the Waldos learned of a Coast Guard member who had planted a cannabis plant and could no longer tend to the crop. Provided with a treasure map, some say uh, by the plant's owner himself, supposedly leading to the abandoned product. The group would meet at the Louis Pasteur statue outside of their high school at least once a week and conduct a search. Louis Pasteur? Louis Pasteur. Well, I mean, it's a healing statue, I suppose. Yep, there you go. Correct. <laughs> Jeez. Their meeting time? Or 20 p.m. After practice, they were all athletes. 
The Waldos would pile into a car, smoke some pot, and scour the nearby Point Reese forest for their elusive free herb. One of the original members of the Waldos, Steve Capper, said they would all remind each other in the hallways, probably because they forgot. <laughs> we suppose we're supposed to meet up at 420. <laughs> it originally started out 420 Lewis, and we eventually dropped the Lewis. They never did score the free bud, perhaps uh, stumbled onto something more lasting. The term 420 was coined, allowing the high schoolers to discuss smoking pot without their parents or teachers knowing. Who knew? Right? So these California dudes, and you're right, Spicoli, just right there in your brain, and they went in their van, they smoked pot. <laughs> and got pizzas. Right. Wow. Colorado's in the forefront of, of marijuana reform, and I, I usually use the term cannabis because marijuana was kind of a, uh, a derogatory slang term for, for the plant. For sure. But uh, I remember when 420 kind of got to be big, you would always see the news and there were rallies in downtown Denver and just these huge clouds of smoke oh, everywhere. Oh yeah, smoking on the Capitol steps and things like that, sure. Yeah, sure. so... Uh, and I think a lot of people forget, too, you know, um, we're actually starting to be re-educated about hemp as well. That's right. I mean, our forefathers, you know, Jefferson was huge into hemp. And so um, now we're finally getting re-educated after all the bad stuff came out, you know, but in the 50s and 60s, like, oh, my God, you smoke marijuana. Uh, you're crazy. See, what people don't know is that there is a distinguishing difference in not only the look of the plant, but the size of the plant as well. So you have cannabis sativa L, which is right. commonly known as hemp products, which food and clothes and yep. everything is made of. Then you have cannabis indica, which is the a plant that has the THC property and the leaves are much smaller and so forth and so on. So interesting story. It that, is. Well, thanks. We yeah. And it's, you know, like we said, it's again, educate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you never know in the barricade. That's right. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about LSD next week or something. I, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, probably not. I don't know anything about it anyway. I don't want to. I don't either. <laughs> All right. Well, that was an interesting story. And, uh, I stayed awake for it. I didn't crash in them. Right. Surprisingly, don't feel hungry. Oh, no, me either. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then again, I'm not, uh, like I say, I'm not a, a big user in that, that regard. But uh, anyway, uh, moving on. What's uh, anything happening in Cripple Creek? I guess the donkeys have been let loose now. No, they come out in, in May. In May? In May. Oh, I was thinking it was last weekend. Nope, nope. It's still a little bit early. So um, May, shoot, I want to say the 15th. It's a Sunday. Because I was bummed because I, I kind of got stuck here with the you know, the fire scare last yeah. week. And that was scary. Right, right. And I thought, oh, no, I want to go up to Cripple Creek and see all the, the donkeys be released out of the pasture. So I wondered why I didn't see anything yesterday. Yeah, no, you won't see them. <laughs> Good. I just wanted to preempt that, you know, to kind of put it on your calendar <laughs> that it's coming out. That makes me happy. Right? <laughs> right. Now I can go check it out. And it's always fun. They're always a hoot. They're like herding cats, some of them. <laughs> some don't want to leave the pasture. Some of them are just like, whatever. <laughs> some of them just go on a different path altogether. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're kicking me out of my house, man. I got grub all over the place. Right. It's like, what do I want to want to leave for? Right. But the exciting part is they will have two new Jennies that, that'll be joining the herd probably here next this week or next week and uh, once they get acclimated to the herd um, and they'll decide whether they want to release them along with the rest of the herd so it'll be interesting and like we talked about um, hopefully we'll have Ellen Moore who's part of the Two Mile High Club 
and she's, she'll be coming in in May to talk to us a little bit more about how the whole system works, the history of how donkey derby days happen and, and the donkeys themselves, why they even exist. And so that'll be really exciting. It's kind of like going to uh, India or Sri Lanka where cows are roaming free. Right. We right. just tell her cat that we have donkeys. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't mess with the donkeys. Correct. I think I'm going to start carrying carrots with me this summer when I go oh, up there. Oh, absolutely. Carrots, apples, healthy snacks for sure. Yeah. I'm going to get to know a couple of these, a uh, couple of these, I almost said people. <laughs> they almost are people. They each have their own name. You know, they're very personal. They each have their own personalities. So they are kind of little people. <laughs> This is what my career's come down to. We're talking about donkeys. Right. Oh, we talk about asses all the time. Come on now. Yeah, good point. <laughs> I stand corrected. How about uh, you guys should be gearing up for the big holiday coming up, right? Uh, museums are going to be open and you're going to be in full swing. Museums usually open up full time um, by Memorial Day for sure. Um, the Heritage Center, of course, is always open seven days a week, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then... Um, Looking at next week, I believe the jail's going to be open seven days a week. Yes. I've, I've got the staff. I'm super stoked. So 10 to 5, seven days a week. I'll be there. For sure. I got to buy a hat and a badge. Well, yeah, we got all that. I know. <laughs> and even another book. Who knows? Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I keep saying that. Uh, and every time I come up there, you know, it's uh, it's been closed or it's an off day or something I like know. that. So I'll, I'll make know. a point to get up there. Well, and then also, don't forget, we got trolley tours coming up. That's right. And they they do, both of them kick off on Memorial or that weekend, Memorial Day weekend. So check out the Victor Lowell Thomas Museum. And they have their historic tours. It's that time of year. It's coming up. We're it is. We're finally coming out of our bear caves. I know. We're excited. Maybe we should have a kite flying contest if the wind keeps going. The way it's going, yeah. Man, this is crazy, right? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Now, if anybody has questions, they can call the Heritage Center. They can talk to your your staff up there, and they'll, they'll give you the lowdown on all the tourism. Absolutely. All right, compiling all that information. Coming up next is our field producer, Trevor Phipps, News of the Weird, and find out who gets tossed on the bear pile this week, so don't go away. have an upcoming special event and don't know what to do? In the Shadow Designs can create one-of-a-kind pieces for you. Located in the heart of Woodland Park, Colorado, In the Shadow Designs specializes in beautiful centerpieces, wreaths, and one-of-a-kind creations for your home or business. Whether it's a baby shower, celebration of life, anniversary, or corporate event, let In the Shadow Designs meet your needs. So contact In the Shadow Designs today on their Facebook page or give them a call at 818-400-1456. Let In the Shadow Designs do the work for you so you don't have to. This week in the Bear Cave on Spotify, anchored by Spotify and Podbean. And on the Bear Cave hotline right now is our field producer, man about town, Trevor Phipps. 
Hey, man, there is no shortage of stuff to talk about this last week, right? No, definitely not. There's been a lot going on. Man, and uh, if if this wind keeps up, uh, I guess the, the the first kind of thing we can kind of kick around is uh, we had a fire last week and it was dangerously close to the bear cave. Kind of freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't live too too much further away from you. It was definitely close to both of us. It's, it burned about seven acres. Um, it took them a couple days. They finally got it 100% contained. But you know, the thing that kind of impressed me is that the entire community kind of rallied around it. And uh, I was told that there were some private citizens who brought their own personal bulldozers up there and went to work. Yeah, I heard that too. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty, pretty awesome. It just uh, kind of shows you what kind of people we have here in Teller County. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm proud of every, all them folks. That's, uh, that's a good thing to do. But uh, yeah, good for them. And shout out to all the uh, first responders. I know I, uh, Talk to a couple of police officers and just see if they need any water because there was a roadblock up on, you know, the top of Level Gulch Road that I, I ran into. And, uh, yeah, they were doing their thing. But, uh, man, kudos to uh, the first responders. Well done, you guys. I guess the, uh, man, how do I put this? The elephant in the room is I got a call from you yesterday telling me that the Morphew case had been, it's done, at least for the time being anyway. I was shocked. Yeah, I was, well, you and me had a meeting and. I, I just got home for 12 o'clock news and that was the first thing that they had on. They had a video of him with his two daughters on each hand, walking out with big smiles on their faces. Yeah. We've been following this thing for, you know, over a year now or just about a year. You know, we, we had all these plans. It's like, okay, we're going to either go down or certainly watch it on WebEx. But uh, it kind of goes to show what we've been saying all along. And that is the prosecutors, man, they blew this one big time. I mean, there is... You know, withholding evidence, and and uh, I think the judges, and I think Judge Lama was one of them who, you know, before he passed the the uh, the trial off to another county, that there was a lot of just flaky stuff that was going on. Yeah, at least on the prosecutor side. Yeah, it seemed like it, and then and then well, and I think when the judge denied a whole bunch of their experts that they were going to have testify. Yeah, wasn't it twelve out of fourteen? That's I mean, that kills your case right there. And I, I don't think they had much of a choice but to just say, okay, you know, we're going to dismiss with without prejudice, which means that if they do find something, then it's back to square one and Barry Morphew can be arrested once again. But uh, what I thought was interesting, too, is the prosecutor said, uh, she said, well, we're getting close to finding a body. Um, yeah, that was the interesting part because they, they pushed to get it without prejudice, meaning that they could refile. So there's something that they think they know where the body is near the Morphew residence, but there's five feet of snow, so they can't excavate it right now. And without that body, that they don't have enough evidence to put a case against it. Yeah, so I'm just kind of wondering, it's like the biggest thing that puzzles me is is the DNA evidence and still not knowing who this, this person is, unless they haven't identified him yet. I don't know. But uh, what the uh, defense attorney was saying, she was saying that they found DNA inside the home, on the car, and on the bike. And I hadn't heard that one before. Really? Yeah, I think that's what she said. I could be wrong. That's, I thought it was his DNA. That, or his, I thought they found his DNA on the bike. Uh, possible. I don't know. It's it's also screwed up right now. But bottom, I didn't read the whole entire 120 pages. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I got to page where I say page 90, and then I it, it just kind of repeated itself after then. But, uh, right. man, if you lose 12 out of 14 expert witnesses, yeah, you're dead in the water. So it almost sounded like kind of an admonishment from the judge to the prosecutor as well, because they they didn't turn over state's evidence like they were supposed to. There were witnesses apparently that you're supposed to share the information with the defense. And uh, apparently that just didn't happen. 
So I guess to be continued, we'll see. But uh, man, that's, uh, I mean, that's big news in, in my book anyway, but uh, who knows? Yeah, no, I, I was shocked to see that for sure. Yeah, when you told me about that, I rushed right home because I think I was going to the car wash or something. It's like, okay, I got to get home and find out what's going on with this. And it's, uh, yeah, it's all over the news, which kind of makes, uh, it kind of makes that whole 48 hours report that came out kind of look foolish at this point, you know, because they, they made a big deal about it and it's a big cliffhanger. And now it's just like, poof, it's gone until, uh, I guess, until the snow melts. Right. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. But um, anyway. I hope they find their body, though. I hope they get some sort of closure. Yeah, I would like to see that because uh, I don't know what it is because the whole phrase, it kind of very similar to the whole phrasing thing, except that you didn't have, in this case, that I know of, unless they find whoever belongs to that DNA, a third party, you know, helping to get rid of the body and all that kind of stuff. It's just weird. I'm surprised it didn't happen out in Florissant. Yeah. (laughs) Because lately that seems to be the, uh, that seems to be like the center of the universe for weirdness and all kinds of stuff. So once again, another SWAT call out. Well, I don't know if it was another SWAT call, but certainly a SWAT call out this weekend. What, uh, what was going on out there? Yeah, I guess it was about, it was, well, Sunday morning or me, it's still Saturday night at 1230 in the morning, but 1230, I guess they got a call out in Florissant which is out like in the Wilson Lakes area, which is about on the Park County border, just on the very far west side of Teller County, a little bit west of Florissant, um, that somebody, neighbors called and said that there is somebody shooting it. One of their neighbors was shooting at their houses. Uh, When the deputies arrived, they saw a suspect at the house in question shooting at his neighbor's houses. So they called the ART team, which is our Taylor County's version of the SWAT team. And they showed up at about 1.30. And the first thing they did is they took their bulletproof armed vehicle, the Bearcat, and they evacuated 11 people out of the neighborhood. And I guess they took them in the Bearcat, drove them to the highway where a van was waiting for them. And then they all jumped into the van and then they drove them to the Florissant Firehouse where they all had to wait until 7.30 in the morning before they could go back to their home. Holy smokes. So after they evacuated everybody, I guess there were still shots coming out of the house at the neighbor's houses. And then after a standoff, the police finally got into the house and they found the suspect had passed away from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And then I guess their investigation held and they didn't clear the area and let people back in until 7.30. Wow, that that must have been frustrating just sitting out there. Well, well, at least you're safe, you know. Hey, kudos to the uh, to the SWAT team for getting everybody out and nobody getting injured. That's amazing in itself. Yeah. But I also heard that uh, he had several firing positions and weapons kind of scattered all over the home, so. Yeah, that, yeah, that was the other thing too. Yeah, I guess when they got in there, they found different areas in the house staged with guns so he could shoot at different neighbors' houses. Jeez, what the hell is going on out there? I'm a, I wonder if there's an alien that was, you know, an alien invasion or something that happened. It's just because there's a lot of weird stuff going out in that part of the county. Yeah, there is. It's been kind of a place in the county where all the weird stuff goes on. Yeah, I don't mean to make light of it, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of tragic. And I don't know if it's uh, people just waking up from cabin fever and, and uh, you know, all of a sudden drinking way too much alcohol and just going weird. And eh, I think I'm just going to go shoot up the neighborhood. Right. <laughs> anyway, again, uh, hats off to uh, the Teller County Sheriff's Office for, I don't want to say quick work of it, but certainly avoiding something that could have been a disaster. But uh, good for those guys. Moving forward from that, you uh, went to that really short school board meeting last week, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, five hours. Oh, my God. Are they taking a page out of the city council's old uh, playbook? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. And, and they, 
it made it seem like it, they said in the email they sent me it was six to nine, and then they were going to limit public comment to one hour. So I thought maybe they were going to cut it off at nine. I, that was not true. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> what took so long? I mean, I, I know there were probably some unpleasantries that were exchanged at that meeting because there usually is. Yeah. Well, and there really wasn't that much public comment, but they just, they had a, a presentation from the district staff and then they had a presentation from middle school students. And then the, the new police chief came in and gave a presentation. And, um, and then they had a long discussion about approving the memorandum of understanding for the Merit Academy for the third time. And that was kind of when discussions got heated. People were shouting out things from the audience and kind of just a lot of different things they covered and they kind of just dragged on every single one. It seems like this whole Merit Academy is the catalyst for all this argument going on. And uh, I don't know if it's because it seems like it's happening really fast. And, you know, I'm not an expert. I don't know beans about school boards or anything like that, but it just seems like that they're just trying to shove it through very quickly without a whole lot of discussion. I don't, I don't know. Am I wrong? No, I agree. I don't, I, like I've said before, I think I, I still don't really understand, I guess the passion on each side. I'm not really sure because you have this school, they got denied. So they were able to open up anyways. They're running successfully anyways in their own building that they're leasing. And from what I understand that I heard William Pate say on record, they're stuck in a two year lease in that building. So, <laughs> so you have the school board that is trying everything they can to push this merit academy into the school district and then they already want to give them one of the buildings but what i don't understand is why it's such a big push since they're already running they're already operating they already have their own facility and i mean they're not gonna be able to get out of that lease so the district's gonna have to pay the lease like i just i really don't understand why it sets a hurried push to get them in and then on the other side i really don't understand why it's being fought so hard that they're doing it. there's been accusations that uh never never lands tied into it you know like, like there always is Any, anytime something goes weirdly to the far right it's always never never land has something to do with it you know yeah then i saw that uh mr bravetto resigned as well and and uh man i, I <laughs> what is going on yeah that was really interesting to me honestly because at the he was at the meeting last wednesday and he actually he, one of the things that he put on the agenda was that he wanted to raise the pays to teachers. He saw that the teachers were being paid in Woodland Park $7,000 a year below the state average. So he basically tasked the district staff with coming up with a way to give a $7,000 a year raise across the board and was basically like, I don't care how you do it, figure it out. We want to just straight up match the state average right now. And so the staff was trying to explain to him the ways that they could do that. So I don't know if that discussion will be continued now so but he was involved with everything he was he seemed passionate about getting merit academy approved and then i guess it was like it was after the meeting like i don't know i i found out about it on the next friday i guess he sent a letter to the school district saying that he'd resigned and he said some stuff in the letter like currently it's a hostile and stressful situation to become a effective to be an effective board member and then i think he kind of blamed it on a small group of people sort of thing <laughs> 
Could this be the people that are filing all the lawsuits? Yeah. And then the other interesting thing is, too, that I found out before the concerned parents thing that the lawyer that the lawsuit had named and that the people that started the lawsuit had problems with, Brad Miller, he's hired by Merit Academy and he's been hired by the school district to do the contract. Well, he announced that he was stepping back and that his his excuse was, I don't have the capacity to continue <laughs> going through with the Merit Academy contract, but he's staying on staff with the Merit Academy. And that was one of the issues that the parents had was that there was a conflict of interest because they were using the same lawyer. Well, to me, that's clearly a conflict of interest. Very interesting because like last week, I guess I saw that they raised on a GoFundMe page $10,000 to get a lawyer to fight the school board, whatever that means. And, oh, man. And then as soon as that happens, you have the lawyer back out and then you have a school member resign shortly after lawsuits start filing. To me, I don't think suing people ever does any good, but I guess sometimes things will happen just when lawsuits get brought up. I guess so, but I kind of agree with you too. It's like, okay, you have lawsuits, you know, for you know getting your money back or or things of that nature, but nobody wins in this scenario here. There's there is no winning because there's going to be hard feelings on both sides. And does anybody think about the kids? Maybe they think about the kids as adults in their own way. But it just doesn't seem like the best interest of the kids are in the forefront in this whole thing. Yeah. But maybe it, maybe that's just me, you know, because it, like I said, I don't have any kids that, that go to the schools, but it's just so bizarre with all the stuff that goes on. I mean, it kind of makes the DDA look like they're normal. Yeah. <laughs> for a change. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a horrible analogy, but it's like, uh, well, I guess it's uh, maybe he had enough and just said, oh, that's it. I'm done. You know, over it. Uh, well, let's let's move on to something that uh, we can relate to. It's a little bit more fun, and that's uh, local sports. So uh, I, I missed the game yesterday, the boys' baseball game. But uh, how are they doing? Are they doing any better? Um, not so much. Uh, yesterday they lost to Mesa Ridge, sixteen to two. Whoa! So currently they are one and eight overall, and zero and two in their league. Must be a rebuilding year, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, like I said before, win, lose, or draw, you know, we're we're supporting them. And um, on the other side of the coin. Lady Panthers are killing it. Yeah, they really are. They're very impressive. They've just completely turned their team around, and currently they are 8-1 overall, 3-0 in their league, and it says they're second in their league, but they're undefeated, so. <laughs> wow. I guess it gets back down to that kind of points thing. It's like, I guess you go down to how many goals were scored overall and stuff like that. I think that's how it kind of works, right? Yeah, I think they go towards like a rating, how good the team is compared to all the other teams in the state. Canyon City is actually the number one team in the, their league, but they're only 2-0 and in their league and 4-4-2 four, four and two overall, but they're still ahead with them parts, so they must have better stats or something. I know they've been doing something lately where they, if you beat a lot of bad teams, you get a lower weight, but if you beat good teams, then you get a higher weight. Now there's some sort of system weighting how good your wins are. Kind of like the whole college playoff power strength charter, where the heck they call it. Yeah. Yeah, if you have the tougher schedule, you're going to have the better, you know, the higher seed in the in the tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, well, that makes sense, I guess. But, uh, hey, as long as they're winning, that's all that matters right now. And, uh, well, you've seen a couple of the games. I mean, it seems like they're they're really playing well together, right? Yeah, they really are. You, they're tough. Watching the girls' soccer games up close, I never knew how physical the sport soccer is. They really slam into each other sometimes. All right, Trevor, sound like you got your hands full with a bunch of stuff that's going on. And uh, thanks for coming into the cave as always. And then uh, I guess we'll talk to you again next week. All right, that sounds good. You have a good day.
Okay, Trevor, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. All right, that was our field producer and man about town, Trevor Phipps. And now it's time for, I'm going to go easy on everybody today. Uh, it's time for News of the Weird. And uh, I promise no hairy tongues, no fart jokes, none of that kind of stuff. Although people are still talking about that. That's That's okay. <laughs> Well, anyway, this week, the headline reads, Least Mature Criminal. In Warren, Ohio, police responded to a robbery call with a twist straight out of elementary school. A 22-year-old man walked along a road late on March 27th, and he was wearing a ski mask. When he was approached by a man and asked him if he was a drug dealer. Oh, no! When the victim said he was not, the robber allegedly pulled out a knife and demanded money. Go figure. (laughs) WKBN-TV reported that after the thief got about 80 bucks from him, he made the victim pinky promise that he wouldn't call the cops then rode off on a bike. (laughs) The police have not located the pinky promise perp. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Okay, promise not to call the cops. (laughs) Dude, you just got 80 bucks of my money. Right. God, people are stupid. And even if you do pinky square, really? Really? I'm going to pinky swear I'm not going to do this. <laughs> yeah, I promise. I'm not going to I'm not going to call the cops on you. Oh. It didn't even happen on 420, so there's no excuse. Right? <laughs> oh, well. Moving along, it is time for the bear pile. Each week we nominate the top subjects, events, and or people who should be tossed on a pile and eaten by the bears. <laughs> The person, place, or thing being thrown on the bear pile to be eaten by the bears this week is... The woke city of Philadelphia, or Philadelphia, for going back to the dark ages and muzzling up its citizens based on science from a Ouija board. Uh, Yeah, that's what I say. (laughs) Hey, well, you made it back from uh, your trip just in time where you don't have to muzzle up. It was awesome. Yeah, so why are we still muzzling up Philadelphia? Oh, whatever. It was a tough choice because we had some uh, some worthy candidates last week. <laughs> right. But, uh, Philadelphia, <laughs> you win. The nominations this week are the 11th Judicial District Attorney in Colorado for prematurely blowing open a case only to blow it. Nice going there, hasty Linda. <laughs> Number two, the boss of Never Neverland, King Andy, for reneging on his deal with Woodland Park and trying to saddle the rest of Telecanny with the bill. Didn't God tell you it was a, a sin to lie there, Andy? Yeah, I guess it doesn't apply to him. No. And number three, once again, Vlad the Impaler, better known as Pinocchio Putin, for trying to spin genocide into a special military operation. Soon, uh, Mr. Rogozin will probably be able to walk the moon on Vlad's nose. See inside, they don't have a rocket ship program anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no Soyuz needed. Well, that's a wrap for us again this week. We hope you had an enjoyable time listening to our banter. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate, Animus Wellbeing, and In the Shadow Designs. Special thanks to our guest, Carol Kittleson, for coming on to the Bear Cave Hotline today. And, of course, our field producer and man about town, Trevor Phipps. If you have an event coming up or you want to become a sponsor of the show, just hit us up on our Facebook page, This Week in the Bear Cave, or our Instagram page with the same name. You can access the show on Spotify, Podbean, or Anchor by Spotify. And soon, as when our other contracts run up, you'll be able to hit us up on uh, Apple Podcasts and also Google Podcasts. We're expanding. Yes, we are. 
Remember, your hate mail can be sent to This Week in the Bear Cave at gmail.com. Our guest next week is going to be King Andy of Never Never Land. We want to know who does his taxes. Yeah, right. State Representative Ron Hanks was scheduled to come into the Bear Cave, but uh, we're told that he's out selling pillows with Mike Lundell. I think maybe they're they're raising money for the uh, QAnon campaign. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. Oh, we're bad. Oh, so bad. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Until then, be well. Sweet dreams, Sam and Max. This Week in the Bear Cave is produced by Animus Productions, all rights reserved in perpetuity. <laughs>